Welcome back. Hello, welcome. Welcome. Welcome to another episode of the Guys Telling Stories podcast. I'm Rich Douglas. I'm Bill Easton. Sean, far away. Oh, Sean's back. Sean's here. Good to have you back, buddy. Yeah, good to be here. Our guest today, Steve Carbone, better known as Reality Steve. We're going to get to him in a second, but I'll kick it on over to you, Bill. A lot of you guys have purchased stuff through Amazon and gone to our site first, and we appreciate that because we do get a cut of your purchase. Those of you that buy stuff on Amazon, I just bought a bike lock. Just go to our website first, guystellingstories.com. Click on the Amazon link and then do your shopping. Think Amazon, think Guys Telling Stories. All right, Sean. Nice job. I like that tag. He leaned in for that one. Oh, he did. Well, you know what? And speaking of that, you know, a lot of people have been asking what they can do to help the show. And honestly, one of the biggest ways that you can help us right now is just to share the episode. You can uh, share it with a friend, uh, share it on Facebook, you know, if... If you're liking us and following us on social media right now, Facebook, we're finding is the best way for us to get those episodes out there. So if you like what you hear, like what you hear from Reality Steve in this episode, when you're done listening, just head on over to Facebook and click on the share button. That'd be uh, much appreciated. Yeah, any of the episodes past or the uh, the upcoming one here. Yeah, absolutely. If you see guys telling stories on Facebook, just, you know, uh, while you're passing through your feed, scrolling down, just give us a like. Much appreciated. It'll help us out. Thanks, guys. So, guys, I feel like we might as well bring up the whole try-at-home thing. I know I bought one of those Paderones. I've been, you know, uh, pouring wine into my mouth from across the room. Paderone? <laughs> Paderone. Oh, Paderone. Oh, Paderone, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, so, the people uh, what are... do we got on the, on the docket for uh, try-at-home this week? You want me to go? I'll go first, because right. I use this thing constantly. It is an eight-ounce popcorn machine. Sits on our counter during the summer. It goes away in the winter. But it's it's awesome. It's a... It's big enough that it makes real popcorn, and it's small enough that it isn't too much of a distraction. It's from Great Northern Popcorn Company. It's an 8-ounce machine, and even if you want to make it look a little old-fashioned, you can buy a cart, Rich. And this thing will sit on an old-fashioned cart, and you can push it around. <laughs> we don't have the cart, but... So wait, do you, time out. Do you actually have an old-fashioned popcorn machine I in have, your house? I do. And the best popcorn I found, Panther Perfect Popcorn. <laughs> you just cut... The, I know. It's Panther Perfect. It's perfect. Like a prone. Panther Perfect Popcorn. You just slice the thing open, and you pour it. It's pre-salted, pre-buttered, and delicious. I know I was just uh, giving Bill a hard time. I know he has a popcorn machine. He keeps it on his his kitchen counter. He, That's right. So imagine your kitchen counter. You've got all the nice you know, cookware, your mixers, your toaster. <laughs> now imagine his kitchen counter has a giant old-fashioned popcorn machine on it so yes that's awesome bill I'm glad you shared just a quick reminder all these products are available on our website guys stories.com under the try at home tab so what i got for you today is a suggestion ben down in birmingham sent me a little message he's like hey you gotta check this out and i was like check what out it is the yeti colster it is a stainless steel koozie for drinks it keeps your drinks hot keeps your drinks cold and here's the text message he sent me he said hey you gotta check out this yeti colster and i was like okay what is it and he goes, it's a koozie for your beer. I left it outside in the 95 degree heat for 20 to 30 minutes, and it was just as cold as when I opened it. Seriously. Sounds like you. Does he own this company? <laughs> I know. I laughed. I said, I'm going to use your last quote on, on the podcast because that sounded like an endorsement. Binghamton? Uh, ben from Binghamton? Did I say Binghamton? I don't know. Where's he from? Birmingham. I said Birmingham. Birmingham. I thought I said Birmingham. I think you said Birmingham. Oh, good. Thanks Alabama? for listening. Uh, that's where Birmingham is. Oh, thanks for listening, Birmingham. Yeah. So I will, uh, I'll send a picture of Ben holding the Yeti. And if you're interested in that, head on over to our website, guystellingstories.com, 
or for the popcorn machine as well under the Try at Home tab. All right, our guest for today, I'm extremely excited about, Bill, Steve Carbone, better known as Reality Steve from the realitysteve.com website. Reality Steve is, this, this whole thing is amazing. This whole Reality Steve thing is absolutely amazing that this many people watch this show well, he's been doing this for over a decade, and he is famous for recapping and spoiling The Bachelor and The Bachelorette reality TV shows. I was tempted to watch it, There's, and I, I, was, I was just like, I should watch this because it may help, and I, was, I just couldn't do it, Rich. I could not, <laughs> I couldn't watch it. See, I've watched it. This, this is going to be an, a surprise that we have uh, Steve on the episode to my wife. She likes to watch it every single week, and she'll DVR it, and she'll watch it more than once. She'll put it on. She'll go in the other room. She'll come back. She'll rewind it. A two-hour episode can last us three, four days. Oh, my goodness. I know. It's always on at her house. And that's, that's something I just have to deal with. So my, <laughs> my go-to line, I have watched it a couple of times with her, and I'll say this line. I'm just sitting there with my Yeti Colster drinking a cold <laughs> one. And every once in a while, I'll just look up and be like, you know what, honey? I'm just not sure he's in it for the right reasons. And she always turns to me and goes, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, she's not gonna. She's not gonna appreciate this intro. <laughs> so I don't mind. I don't mind watching these shows. I watch everything. I've seen The Survivor. I like it. I watch all the Bravo shows. They're always on in our house. But what about you? You like reality TV, Bill? No, I don't watch any of this stuff. I can't. I just can't handle it. I can watch. I can watch a lot of things, but I just can't handle the the reality TV stuff. You guys remember Fear Factor? That was a good one. Yeah, it's kind of reality, yeah, but that was also like competition. fun to yeah. watch people eat things and do things they normally wouldn't do. Right. Well, you know what? And that's the thing is Steve Carbone has been uh, spoiling and recapping shows for a long time. He's been doing this, I think, since Survivor and Fear Factor were first on the air. So he's been doing this for 30 plus seasons, writing about The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. And I'm curious, who's this man, this mastermind behind the scenes posting all this information? Let's give Steve a call and let's talk to him. You ready? Ready. All right, let's give him a call. All right, guys, welcome back. Welcome. I'm Rich Douglas. I'm Bill Easton. And we have an amazing guest today, Steve Carbone. You might know him better as Reality Steve. Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, guys. Sure thing. Steve, we're pretty excited to have you. You are basically the number one source for information on ABC's The Bachelor and Bachelorette. So a lot of people are clicking on your website and reading your spoilers, your recaps. I'm sure you get tons of emails every single day. But we're curious, you know, <laughs> who's the man behind the, <laughs> the man behind the reputation? So thanks for doing the show. Hey, no problem. Yeah, so uh, full disclosure, Bill, you mentioned before you, uh, you're not even a fan of reality TV. You know, TV. Uh, I watched the um, America's Got Talent, which is not really reality TV. It's more of a talent show. But yeah. the other stuff, I just, I just, I just feel dumber. I feel dumber <laughs> for, for sitting in front of it. <laughs> well, uh, trust me, if you were to watch this show, you would feel like a second grader. This show is about as dumb as it gets. But that's what I've built my success on, and the site is... I mean, it literally started out as an email to three people, and now it is. That was back in 2003, and now here we are, in 2016, and it, it, it got to point. It got to a level that I never thought it, it wasn't my goal. But yeah, it's just. And for 13 years, all I've done is make fun of the show, and then, <laughs> you know, then the spoiler aspect has come along, and that's helped. But at its core, realitysteve.com 
is me making fun of The Bachelor and Bachelorette. It started out as recapping each episode, and it's continued. It's just over the years, obviously, things evolve, and now I learn more about the show. I, I find out spoilers, and that helps, obviously. And, um, yeah, it's just it's turned into something I never imagined 2003 it's been on since 2003 yeah you know, oh yeah this is 30 32 oh, seasons goodness. 32 seasons oh, of the my. show and have you been doing it since the beginning the only two seasons I, there's two seasons i didn't cover the first bachelor and the second bachelor so the first first one in this franchise i started recapping was the first bachelorette and there's been 12 bachelorettes and 20 seasons of the bachelor so 32 okay. and i didn't do seasons one and two of the bachelor but everything since yeah now there's been spinoffs too. I know that after what's, what is it? What's on right now? Bachelorette is kind of wrapping up soon, and then yeah. uh, they go right into another spinoff, right? Yeah, Bachelor in Paradise is their summer show where all the rejects from previous seasons who didn't find love <laughs> are put in Mexico at a resort and basically just to go on dates and you know hook up and drama occurs, and that's that's Bachelor in Paradise. That's in its third season before Paradise. It was Bachelor Pad, which had three seasons, and that was more of like a game show. It's like you paired up, and there were hookups because you were all living in the same mansion, but right. that was more about money. There was a money prize at the end. Bachelor in Paradise is just like, hey, everyone, every one of you failed on our show at Finding Love, so you're all good-looking people. We're just going to put you on uh, a resort in Mexico, put you on dates, and let's see what happens. Sounds and, lazy, but yeah. – <laughs> But it's the drama is just – Nonstop and unreal. Yeah. Well, Steve, I, before we get too far into this, I, there's probably a ton of people out there that are curious where they can follow you online, social media. So where's the best places? Uh, where can people look for you? Yeah. The website is realitysteve.com. The, my Twitter is realitysteve. My Instagram is realitysteve. Well, let's get right into it then. Uh, we always like to take the audience back to the beginning, and maybe you would kind of agree. It's safe to say, you know, no one else even is doing what you're doing now, let alone 13 years ago. So maybe you can describe life for us when you first got started on this path. Yeah, it was, uh, like I said, I mentioned earlier, it was, it was an email that I sent to three of my friends, and it started with the show Joe Millionaire, which was a reality show back in 02 or 03, which was, and this is, a, you got to remember, at the time of Joe Millionaire, we're talking about the advent of reality TV. It was still very new and very fresh. There weren't a lot of ideas out there. So Fox does this kind of shock reality show where they bring on, I think it was 20 girls, and it was filmed overseas. And this Joe Millionaire guy, they basically told him he was going to be an heir who is worth like $350 million. But at the end, the twist was, at the end, they were going to tell him, actually, he's a construction worker who lives in California and he makes 25 grand a year. <laughs> and let's let's see if they're swayed by the fact that the whole time that they kind of, quote unquote, fell for him, they, uh, they actually fell for his money or they fell for him. And so it was just so crazy. I mean, it doesn't seem crazy now because well, here we are in 2016 and we've seen every single thing on reality TV. But back then, that was a huge deal. So I see the commercial on Fox. I'm like, i got to watch this. And I watched it, and it was so ridiculous. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't believe these women are falling for it. Like, it was compelling TV because you really wanted to stick around. And like, do these girls really like him, or are they just after his money or the money they think he has? Exactly. So I, so I just every, – every episode, I just sent out an email to three of my friends. Well, unbeknownst to me, they were forwarding it on to their friends who were forwarding it on, and – I got this following by the end of the season, 
and people said after the finale air, are you going to keep doing, can you do a different show? Because we think this is funny. And so the next show to come on in the reality TV genre was the first season of The Bachelorette. It's a, it was a dating show where girls were, or guys in that case, were eliminated every episode. So I was just like, I'll just do this. I knew the premise. I didn't see the first two seasons of The Bachelor, but I knew the premise. And it just stuck. I mean, people loved it. My email list got up to about 300, 400 people. Wow. And it was one of those things where, you know, you spend more than 25 addresses in a group email, then it gets sent back to you. So I had to do like 12 different emails of 25 email addresses each. And I would literally cut and paste every week, 12 different emails and just send them out. And it just, it was crazy. And but the following was really cool and I was getting great response. So I just was like, I'll just keep doing it in hopes that in hopes that my email would at some point land in the right person's hands. And they'd say, wow, you like your writing and you want to do some freelance work. And that's all I was aiming for. And I literally did it for free, for fun from 2003 to 2009 until it kind of took off. Wow. So Steve, what was your like daily life like in 2003 when you were doing this? I was in sports talk radio. That's all I ever wanted to do with my life. I wanted to be a sports talk show host. In, I graduated in college. Excuse me? In, in what area? In what city? Oh, I was in uh, Southern California at okay. the time. So I graduated college in 1997, and two days later, I started working for Jim Rome, who was a nationally syndicated mm-hmm. sports talk show host. Yeah. Worked for Jim for a year and a half. I was a caller to his show for four years going into that, and that's kind of why he hired me. And then I got into it, worked for Jim for a year and a half, got to a station in L.A., uh, was working with them full time from 99 to 2002, got fired, ironically enough, for writing a profanity-laced column on a paid (laughs) website. Um, I fired from the station, kind of burned my bridges in L.A., and I just – so then I had to find another job. I got into the mortgage industry. I was doing sports radio part-time. I found another sports station out there to do some weekend work, but I just never really fully got back into it after I got fired in 02. Well, if you look at your name really quick, it, it could say Realty Steve. So maybe the more... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally forgot about that. Yeah, yeah the, 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 the mortgage industry part of my life was like literally hell on earth. It was awful. I hated it. Hmm. Um Especially, and you wouldn't think I hated living in Southern California at the time and being a mortgage broker. This is before the bubble burst, uh, but yeah, it was just not fun. I wasn't good at it. I suck at sales, and um, I just wasn't good. You know, a lot of people out there might be wondering. You know, you have this unique job now. Uh, what did you go to school for originally? I was a communications major. I just I want I knew I wanted to be in media somehow, and I but. It, my four years of college, all I wanted to do was host my own sports talk show because I was such a Jim Rome fan. He was my idol. Mm-hmm. He's who I wanted to be. And I was a caller to his show for four years. I was like a month out of graduating college. I had never had a radio job other than doing the play-by-play for the college basketball team um, that I went to. And I just – I went – I had done my senior thesis on Jim's show. My last trip in there, I said, hey, if there's anything I can do, I graduate in a month and I want to be in radio. And he hired me. And he said, yeah, I would like the work that you've done. You know, you've shown some motivation and we'd love for you to come work for us. And I was like, it couldn't have worked out any better. I mean, literally two days after, graduated on a Saturday and Monday I started with Jim. And it was uh, it was definitely interesting. Um, got my feet wet, uh, that, got to a radio, because he was just, he's just one show. He didn't work at a station. So I got to a station in 1999 in LA and um 
you know, did a lot. I never had my own show, did a lot of fill in work, weekend work, um, but never had my own like Monday through Friday show. Yeah. And um, it was frustrating, but. I don't want to spend too much time on the Jim Rome, but what, what's he like? Because he kind of plays off of telling other people that they're ignorant and, you know, the whole clone thing and, and, yeah. uh, and that. Um, what's, it, what's he actually like? Is he like that or is that just a, a performance? No, I mean, it's, it's an exaggerated uh, version. He, 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 he created a niche for himself in the market and that was his niche. Uh, he's not an X's and O's guys. Uh, he, he doesn't want to sit there and take a call about, hey – you know, hey, Jim, first-time caller or, you know, long-time listener, first-time caller. What do you think of the Bills' offensive line? Like, he doesn't care. He did. That's yeah. not what he wants. He wants you to call up and say what you think, and then he'll react to that. And back in 2000, you know, back in 95 or whatever when he started, he's been doing this 20 years, and yeah. I worked for him in 97, that was kind of a new thing because sports talk radio back then, usually cities had maybe one station. Now it's, like, everywhere. So he just created a niche. It was a an absolute learning experience, and Jim, I'll always be forever grateful for Jim for, for doing that for me. So, yeah, that's a cool memory, and you know, that's a quick story, but it was a story that I don't think anybody, you know, that's probably familiar with who you are now and what you're doing knew. And if they did, you know, it's cool to hear anyway. Um, you know, you've been you've been doing this for a long time, and that was like before any of this even started. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, yeah ninety. Worked for him in ninety seven to ninety nine, and there are a few of my readers that. It's funny, years later, sometimes when people would make the correlation, like, oh my God, wait, you were the Steve Carbone that worked for Jim Rome? Like, your reality, reality Steve is Steve Carbone from Jim Rome? And like, yeah, no, that's me. <laughs> uh, it's funny. I get it once in a while. Well, you know, it's it's curious because, like, uh, as you started to get into some of the reality uh, TV reporting, um, a lot of these other podcasters or even sports guys, they always maybe have a segment on, you know, what's going on on Survivor when Survivor was big, or maybe they talk about the Bachelor, Bachelorette as well, too. So oh, yeah. There's there's that crossover occurred. It seemed like you were sort of trailblazing that pathway before anybody else, though. Yeah, I mean, sports talk. At least successful sports talk to me is more guy talk. You know, it's what guys talk about at the bar, and guys talk about three things beer, women, sex, and sports. Four things beer, women, <laughs> sex, and sports. And I think that's what, and that's what successful, I mean, yeah, you're going to get your certain stations out there that are just hardcore sports, small town stuff. I mean, even like yourself, you guys are in Buffalo. I'm sure it's a lot of Bills talk because you don't have an NBA team, you don't have a Major League Baseball team. It's probably Bills. 12 months out of the year, <laughs> yeah. talk. Uh, you know, but you know, in a place like LA, it just, there's so many different topics and stuff like that. So I realized once I was in it and you start getting passed up for jobs because someone is a former athlete and they have a bigger name, it just, it's a very, you know, like any job, politics involved. And mm-hmm. I just I realized once I was deep into it, that I really didn't want to make a career out of it. I, I didn't think I could. Yeah. Well, maybe we can transition a little bit there then, you know, because as you're doing this like side thing, sending emails, the, the, the nature of the Internet begins to change. Social media yeah. starts to become bigger and bigger. So maybe it's no longer sending out emails to 400 people. It's, it's something else. So can you maybe take us back a little bit, explain your first uh, big break or, you know, big spoil or something along those lines? Yeah, no, the biggest thing happened in 2009. Um, I had been writing my bachelor recaps for six years. Um, just funny recaps, had a own little niche audience that liked my recaps. In 2009, I got my first spoiler, basically someone who knew I wrote about the show, had some information regarding it and said, look, I know you cover the show. I know you've got a fan base. Um, I, I know the ending. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like, okay, yeah. 
of course I'd like to have that. I'll, I'll put that. And then they told me and I was like, wow. And I knew it was legit because of who it came from and what they told me. So, you know, I, it was my first spoiler. So I didn't reveal it right away. I teased it for like a month. And then two weeks before the finale, I said, all right, I'll finally tell you what happens. And I told everybody and the reaction was mixed because why would anyone have any reason to believe that I knew the ending? I'd never given a spoiler before. Mm-hmm. So plenty of people doubted me and rightfully so they had every reason to, I'd never given anybody a spoiler. How and much? I said, well, look, I can't, I can't do anything other than say, I'll be, I'll be vindicated when the finale airs. Cause this is what happens. Yeah. And then the finale airs, what I said played out and everyone's like, Oh crap, this guy. And then it seemed like from that point on, I became this de facto authority on The Bachelor and Bachelorette. How nervous were you that the finale wasn't going to play out? The way? I actually, honestly, I wasn't at all because I because of where I got the info from okay. and what they told me, I, I I just knew it to be true. I just it was there was no doubting, and the reason and and it wasn't just a normal ending. That was like one of the biggest twists in the history of the show at that point because. It was it was where the guy who got engaged to the girl at the end, basically two months later, decided I'm with the wrong girl. I should have picked the other girl that I dumped at the end. And so he basically breaks up with his fiance on camera and asks the second girl back. And I told everybody <laughs> this was taped on a closed set and you're going to see this play out. And that's another thing that it had never happened in the show's history. So, yeah. again, people had no reason to believe that. Wait a second. They taped the two of them on a closed set and he dumped his fiance and asked the other one if they, if he could start dating her and they, and she said, yes. And I'm like, dude, I'm telling you, this is what it is. Wow. And that's exactly how it played out. And, um, you know, do you think was, that uh, moment was authentic? You said it's taped on a closed set. So, you know, did, well, they did it. When I say closed set, they didn't do it in front of an audience. Like they usually do those taped shows. Mm-hmm. Um, because the audience there, it would have got, it would have leaked. Literally, the only people that were on yeah. set were crew, host Chris Harrison, and then the and then the contestants involved. Um, so uh, it was one of these things where it just it couldn't. It was, I mean, authentic as much as you can say in reality television. You know, right now you're kind of a one of a kind in this in this business, and I don't. You know, you look this stuff up, and it's just you. How come you're the only one doing it? And you know why didn't why don't these tabloids and, and other things that were that were a little bigger at the time try to uh, step in? Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, I, uh, the first point of why am I the only one doing it? I I think it's just um, I mean technically anybody that had the information that I have could do it. But the thing is, the spoilers have been happening every year since 2009. So even if someone started a site tomorrow that said um, www.ihavethebachelorending.com, whatever the case may be, <laughs> and they posted it. They don't have a track record. It would be an anonymous face. Mm-hmm. How would anyone know whether to believe them? And let's just say they posted that and they did have the ending. They would have to do it on a consistent basis. Like yeah. it, you kind of need united. You kind of have to earn your stripes, so to speak. And getting one season right because maybe you know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who told you. That's great, but can you do it season after season after season and present the spoilers like I do, which is episode-by-episode breakdown of here's what happens every episode, here's who gets the rose, here's who's being eliminated, here are all your contestants before ABC even gives you all your contestants. So I just – I don't – it's been happening seven years and nobody's come close to being any competition for me, so 
I guess I shouldn't say never say never, but right. yeah. I have no reason to think it will. Um, the second question you mentioned about tabloids and why don't they do it, tabloids work on a different schedule than me in the fact that they come out once a week and I'm a blog so I can post something whenever I want. Um, and the other thing is the tabloids kind of have relationships with certain TV shows mm-hmm. to where the TV shows don't want them to spoil their own show because then they'll stop giving them access to interviews and uh, maybe leak some information to them, which they absolutely do. But the thing with The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, I know they leak some of their stuff to magazines, so magazines can put it on the cover like, ooh, Betrayal or something like that. Yeah. But it's already been – anyone that's followed me and followed my site, it's already been on my site for months. So the tabloids are so far behind. It's like they have their audience that doesn't know spoilers that, yeah, to the betrayal or what happens is a big deal to those people. But if you've been online following me, you already know what happens. Yeah. Well, as you started to become successful doing this, is there anyone specific that encouraged you to keep going? Maybe in a moment where you said, ah, I don't know if I want to kind of really keep doing this. I wish there was, but honestly, there wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been great if I could have said, like, I was down to my last nickel and you know somebody knocked on my door. But honestly, it was just um, – I just kept doing it. And I'm glad I obviously didn't give it up because, a, a, you know um, – Obviously, I thank the person who told me that first spoiler because yep. without that person, I never – the site probably wouldn't be what it is today unless you know someone else came back in another season with a spoiler. But that spoiler put me on the map. It gave more people my name and it gave more people the opportunity to say, hey, oh, I found something out about this show. I'll, I'll email that Reality Steve guy. He's the spoiler guy. So yeah. a lot of it is crowdsourcing and people just telling me stuff that they happen to know. But – I guess that first spoiler, but I was never thinking of not doing it. I was just at a point where I figured I needed to monetize it somehow. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and it didn't, I couldn't get to that point until the site really took off, which was in 2009 after that spoiler. Yeah. Was there a, a moment when you realized there was no turning back? Where, and maybe for you it was, I can do this full time. Like, this is my job. I can make a living. Like what, was there a no turning back moment? Yeah, it was, uh, it was in, it was probably around 2010 when it happened. And I got to a point where I realized people were relying on me and I couldn't basically let them down. And I knew that the information I had was important to a lot of people. And I was like, I got to keep doing this. And as long as I keep getting the information, I'm going to keep posting it and kind of went from there. A lot of people that are tuning into this are probably interested in the process, you know, how it works behind the scenes. So do you know any more than just the regular watcher about the relationship between contestants or the relationship between the cast and the crew? Yeah, it's it's very manipulated. It's very, um, you know, I don't want to say it's, you know, it's scripted because scripted, when you say the word scripted, people think that these these people that come on the show are given a script and they have to memorize lines. It's not that it's, um, I think Mark Burnett, who's the creator of survivor and a lot of other popular reality shows, um, basically calls it unscripted drama where you put people in situations that you know will create drama. And that's really what this show is. It's a lot of producer prodding behind the scenes, putting them in a situation, telling them before they put them in that situation, like, look, you know, it's, you know, if you don't tell this person how you feel, you might be going home tonight. You might not get a rose and stuff like that. So yeah. it's a lot. It's it's a television show first and foremost, and they have to create drama. And it's no different than a Grey's Anatomy or something like that. It's just that these aren't paid actors. These are just contestants that they hired. They 
fill them up with alcohol. You're closed <laughs> off from the rest of the world. You're not, you don't have any phone. You don't have access to your phone, computer. You can't talk to your friends, your family. You're literally isolated the whole time you're on the show, and it creates sort of this uh, bubble and this Stockholm syndrome where you basically just become so crazy that you say and do weird things that are good for television. So besides um, Bachelor and Bachelorette, have you tried any other shows uh, to, to be spoilers? Did you try anything with Survivor or um, there's another one out there? I don't no, I haven't. Stuff, so. I haven't actually. I just have never gotten spoilers about those shows, and I've kind of been this—you know—he's that spoiler guy for Bachelor and Bachelorette, and I'm just so thorough with my spoilers. If I had a spoiler for another show and it was just like one spoiler, yeah, I probably wouldn't even do it. It's like not worth it. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it full bore, and I'm going to spoil a whole season or something. <laughs> like that. So it's kind of one of these things where I, I have to play it by ear, um, but. I, I doubt it's going to come along. I mean, it's just never happened outside of this franchise. Yeah. yeah. Are there any relationship stories between the cast and crew that you found might even be more interesting than the show itself? There was one girl on a season that got eliminated and she was booted off the show because she was having an inappropriate relationship with one of the producers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they made that into a storyline on the show. They, oh, they kind did. of walked in and told her, we have found out you have an inappropriate relationship and we have to take you out of the show. And and there's a lot of stuff that, well, actually I shouldn't say a lot, but there are stories about afterwards, cameramen, producers kind of hooking up with some of the female contestants. That's and, crazy. <laughs> you know, you're in this, you're like you're literally just by yourself. These are the only people in your life at that point. You cannot talk to anybody. You can't text, call, watch TV, read a newspaper. You're just isolated and these are the people that you connect with these producers that you're with them every day you're basically it's a giant therapy session you're just talking about your feelings all day long and you do that long enough you might start to develop feelings for a producer yeah makes sense kind of moving ahead on your path and on your journey you know i'm sure it wasn't all just success uh was there uh like a big challenge or obstacle maybe even something you consider a failure that you had to overcome yeah, that happened in 2011 when the show sued me. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a second. I did read about that. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, that'll, that'll, <laughs> that'll be a challenge. Yeah, let's hear that story. Yeah. Uh, I kind of threw a monkey wrench into things for a while. But essentially what it was, you know, people just tell me stuff about the show and I post the spoilers and whatnot. And there was a season that was filming and... It started to become the – it started – this was in 2011, and it just started becoming a lot easier to find people online. Uh, yeah. Twitter was coming more readily available. It was easy to just – it was easy to just do a Google search and find out where somebody worked. Anyway, I knew that a few, a few of the girls that were already home from filming, I had heard they got eliminated. I just went directly to them as opposed to hearing through the grapevine of other, somebody else. I'm like – just got to cut out the middleman here and go straight to a contestant and ask them if they'll help me out with the spoilers. And they both said no. And they're like, yeah, I'm sorry. You know, cause they're under a big giant confidentiality contract where you can't talk about this stuff as a contestant. Once you get home, you can't tell anybody what happened or where you were or what you did. And so I was like, look, just don't say anything. I mean, I get that you had a contract and, and then I offered them money and what, uh, for whatever reason, they got a little scared. And I think, a couple of them turned my emails over to the producers and the producers now have their smoking gun where they have, they had emails of me emailing their contestants asking for money or asking 
uh, for spoilers in return for me paying them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they sued me for torturous interference, uh, basically coming in between uh, a contract between two other people and trying to basically break that contract. And, okay. Um, so I had to get a lawyer, had to fight it. Uh, I fought it for seven months and then we just settled the show settled with me. And, um, then they came back a year later and sued me again (laughs) (laughs) and because I spoiled it a season again. And I think they just assumed like, Oh, he broke our settlement. And, um, I didn't, uh, there are ways to spoil the show without breaking the settlement agreement. And we settled again for a second time. And that was in, we settled, um, in I think March of 2013. Um, and they haven't, contacted me since and i've spoiled every season since then so all right well what lessons did you learn that helped you moving forward about those um, two don't bri- don't uh, bribe people with money be <laughs> <laughs> one of them um i love that quote don't bribe. <laughs> <laughs> you can bribe them uh, with other things just not money. yeah just not money uh, especially the contestants on this show um <laughs> just it, it made me realize i think the biggest thing it, it did was and my lawyers were telling me this throughout the course of fighting this and going back and forth. This show really wasn't looking to take me to court and have me show up in court one day. They were just dragging it out so I would maybe just give up and just be like, I just can't keep paying legal fees. And trust me, it got to a point where legal fees were becoming so extravagant. I did put a donate button up on my site for two weeks and I was able to raise $10,000 that I wrote straight to my lawyers. Wow. Um, that helped a little bit, but my legal fees were definitely more than that. And um, if we didn't settle when we did, um, you know, it, it was getting expensive. And so, yeah, it was it was lesson learned. Um, yeah, it's not I, good to be sued. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, ABC is a giant corporation. I'm a basically a one-man operation out of Texas. They were just looking to bleed me. And hope I would give up, and I didn't. Have you ever been wrong with a, a spoiler, especially like a smaller episode one? And uh, and how'd you deal with it if, if you were? It's a good question, and it's almost like it, it, it seems silly. But when you say, "Have you ever been wrong?" There's almost different levels to the word mm-hmm. "wrong" because yeah. the biggest thing is getting the ending of the show right. Like who got engaged at the end of the show? I'd say that's the big spoiler every season, and. Three times when I – four times actually when I gave my initial spoiler because I always give out the spoiler basically before the season starts of – before the first episode airs, here's what happens at the end. They get engaged. These two people get engaged. Um, four times I've been wrong on that when I gave it out. But three of those four times during the course of the season while it was airing, I was able to correct myself and say, OK, what I originally reported was wrong here's who actually gets engaged at the end. So it was wrong in the beginning, but if someone was coming to my site for the first time on the day of the finale, they would have had the right ending. Yeah. Gotcha. It's kind of cool to adjust and go, listen, here's what I know. Here's some new information. I mean, a a guy like me starting out, I might go, no, I got to get it perfect. And then after a while, it's like, well, if you keep up with me, you know that I've, uh, I've got some new info. So yeah. keep up with me because I get new info. You know, it's almost like a better way of instead of just checking yeah. in once, you check in every single episode. Yeah. And it sucks to be wrong. I hate being wrong. I don't want to be wrong. It's not like it kills my credibility at all because, like I said, it's not like anybody else is out there and, you know, put out the other, you know, put out the right spoiler and I was wrong the whole time and they were right the whole time. Like it's just people know where to come to get it. There's, but there was one time where – 
put out the spoiler at the beginning of the season. I said, this girl's engaged to this guy, and it played out. And I sat there the night of the finale thinking I was right. And at the end of the show, she got engaged to the wrong the guy that I didn't report. And I'm like, you know, hey, I'm, I mean, I'm only as good as the information that I'm given. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one, I happened to be wrong. But the next day was one of my biggest traffic days in the history of my site. And so it didn't necessarily hurt me. But I would take it back, honestly, to be right and have a little less – readership the next day i absolutely would take it back because being right is more important to me especially about the ending like you'll miss stuff here there's so many spoilers throughout the course of the show it's an 11 episode show i'm not going to get every single detail about every single episode right but i have been right probably about 98 percent of them so that's cool that's That's pretty cool just just for fun uh kind of curious if you've ever been invited to like do a show like this or be on the show or maybe like been invited to somebody's wedding or or maybe even had somebody ask you to officiate their wedding Any, anything like that no nothing along those lines i'm i'm really public enemy number one to this show okay so a lot of the contestants after the fact after they've been on will will contact me and be like hey i think your stuff is hilarious it's unbelievable how much stuff you know uh and, you know i'm friends with a lot of former contestants but i don't i say the word friends but more like acquaintances it's like, yeah. like i hang out with them or facebook friends yeah, Facebook friends. We, we, you know, some will re, some will graduate to texting conversations. Some will graduate to phone calls. Some are just strictly emails. You know, it's just. Um, but I don't share that with my readers of who I'm friends with or whatever. It's just not. People don't need to know who I'm friends with. It's not that big of a deal. At least to me, it isn't. So no, I, I just I, don't. I completely get it. Yeah, it's like, it's personal. It's kind of like not part of the site. I get it. Yeah. And and honestly, on their end. I'm like I said, public enemy number one of this show being linked to me is not a good thing for them. Okay. Even if it's after the fact. So they would get a phone call, an email, like, hey, we saw that you are talking to this guy or hanging out with this guy. You know, you, you don't need to be doing that. It's not a mm-hmm. smart move on your part. So I mean I get it. So that's why I keep all my relationships and friendships and acquaintanceships acquaintances with, with them pretty private. Have you um, been offered anything to stop doing it? Have they, you know, offered you a contract yourself to uh, produce write, write, write the wrong? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, they. You know what? They've never come to me, and I've always said I don't think they will because that would be admitting defeat. And I don't think a network like ABC is basically going to pay me off to shut up because then they're basically admitting we can't control this guy and we're losing mm-hmm. to a one-man operation out of Texas and. So they just never acknowledge me. Um, I've always said everyone's got a price. I mean, if they came to me and said, we'll give you $5 million to shut down your site, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Yes, please. I <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, don't, yeah. I don't think it'll happen. Um, in fact, I know it won't. But because if they haven't done it by now, they're not going to do it. It's like, well, how, how, many, how many years does your show need to be spoiled uh, before you came with an offer? But, uh, yeah, they're not going to. But it's it's always it's interesting. I get to ask that quite a bit. I bet. Well, now now they know your price. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, uh, Steve, we were taking a look at the site before the interview and it just looks like it is constantly evolving, you know, getting better. You're offering more features. So maybe we could move ahead to some current business. You know, what's currently exciting you? I think just social media has changed this show. Um, in my eyes for the worse, um, (laughs) but it definitely has helped me and my site grow because you can reach so many more people. 
Um, because when the show is airing on Monday nights, I'm live tweeting for two hours and someone likes my tweet and retweets it on their timeline. And one of their friends who's never heard of me now sees it. It just, it's, it's growing and growing and growing and there's really no way to stop it. And I think that's why ABC has kind of given up on me. They're just like, look, there's nothing we can do. Uh, he's going to spoil it. I guess in their minds, they probably just figure every season going in, let's just hope he's wrong. Maybe, maybe someone gave him the wrong information and let's hope that's the case. But um, I'm enjoying writing it. I'm enjoying spoiling the show. I do a live video chat every Thursday night with my readers. Um, for the last two years, I've thrown a party in Vegas. I basically open it up to my readers where it's kind of a fan appreciation party. Anybody that wants to come is able to come. You know, my brother's out in Vegas, so I'm kind of, how does it work? Like, uh, I'm just curious, because that might be a nice surprise for, for him. Hey, head to the head, are you guys at like a, a casino or something? It's got to be a pool. Yeah, I mean, I, I last year I did it for the first time, and it, I just it was because I turned 40, and it was like my 40th birthday. I've never been a big birthday guy. I don't really care what I do on my birthday, but I decided last year to open it up to my readers, and I said, hey, anybody that wants to come, it's first come, first serve. Just let me know. If you're flying in, I need to see you know, proof because I have essentially 50, 60 slots because it's in my room uh, at Mandalay Bay. It's in and, your room. <laughs> That's yeah, amazing. Room. But I, I, you know, I, got a, I probably got a pretty – It's a double. Nice, <laughs> it's a double. <laughs> yeah, it's one of their – It's one of their. It's, I wouldn't call it a penthouse suite, but it's fairly big. Oh, that's uh, cool. Yeah, easily 50 to 60. So I just opened it up and people just started. So I had people from Canada. I had people from Florida. I had people from Connecticut. I had someone from North Carolina. Just that's randomly cool. emailed me and said, I'd love to come to your party. And I said, show me your flight itinerary. They did. They showed up. It was great. We had about 50 people there. This year we're looking at uh, 60 right now, I think. So um, – yeah, it was just something I decided to do, and it was open to anybody who wanted to show up. I don't charge anything. I'll have food. I have a uh, open bar uh, for the two to three hours everyone hangs out, and then I do a trivia contest where we, I give everyone opportunity to just answer questions about the Bachelor and Bachelorette because that's why we're there. They're all fans of the show. We're fans of me, and you know, winner gets a prize. You know, I give them a gift card to that's one cool. of the restaurants at Mandalay Bay. You know, I'm glad I asked that because in this kind of changing scope of uh, social media, I was, I'm curious to see how you're evolving or almost adapting. I was talking to somebody and they said, you know, the, the guys that do Shark Tank, they actually are periscoping while the episode's happening, which is basically exactly what you're talking about, but they get permission to do it or, or not. I don't know how that works. And then here you're doing the exact same thing now, but you're doing it from a different perspective. So... It's kind of like everyone's trying to find ways to use this to kind of keep, um, you know, basically the content going in a way that the fans can appreciate. So yeah, no, I, I, the funny thing is, last year for the for my fortieth and the party out there, I actually when I was doing the um, trivia contest, I periscoped that trivia contest. So anybody that obviously couldn't make the party, if they wanted to follow along and just, I mean, obviously I wasn't giving them a prize, but if they right. wanted to follow along, they could see the questions and you know, in their own head, see how much they knew about the show and whatnot. And I'll probably do the same thing again this year. So in the future, where do you see, where do you, what do you, what do you, when you visualize what you're going to be doing, is it going to be this on a bigger scale? Or are you going to go into uh, other things? What are you planning on doing in the future? I think realitysteve.com will eventually evolve probably into podcasting because long form writing, it's tough. People have such a short attention spans now. Everyone's, um, you know, busy and being distracted by everything that um, 
you know, when I write my column, it's usually four or five pages. And I know that people skim it now as opposed to back in the day. They were reading every single word I wrote. And now they're just kind of skimming for keywords and stuff like that. And the other thing is, and I, I've noticed this by just looking at my numbers, back in three years ago, um, my traffic was 70% desktop and 30% uh, mobile tablet, maybe 65, 35. Now it's flipped. Now every day I look, it's 65% mobile tablet and 35% people read my stuff on desktop. And that's changed. And, and you know, podcasting is definitely the way to go nowadays. Um, a lot of people are doing it. Um, it's just a matter of how I'm going to do it and monetize it because I make my money based on my column and the amount of traffic that I have coming to my column. The mm -hmm. amount of traffic you have coming to a podcast is different. And can I get a sponsor? And who's going to sponsor me? And how much are they going to pay me to be a sponsor for my podcast? So there's a lot of different things I got to look into before I get into it. But right now, I would think for the next two or three years at least – the site's going to stay the way it is in terms of the same format. On Tuesdays, I recap the show. It airs on Monday nights. I recap it Tuesday. Wednesdays, I do a, a reader emails where I mm -hmm. basically have a mailbag of questions that people sent me throughout the course of the week. And then Thursday, I do a little fun thing with uh, Dr. Reality Steve where I take relationship questions because I've always been fascinated by that. And then I do my live chat on Thursday nights. So those are my that's my schedule. We have your website up in front of us now, realitysteve.com, and it's uh, it's a very nice, clean-looking site. It's um, you know, it, it's rare to find um, sites that are clean like that. So a little bit of a, a compliment on whoever does it, and if it's you, <laughs> it, it looks. I mean, it just looks nice. It looks. It's not overcrowded. It's uh, it's a nice, clean site. I like it. Thanks. My webmaster will definitely appreciate that. Yeah. Cool. Well, you know, if we can kind of. Kind of, kind of ride out into the sunset. We always like to ask for like advice or final thoughts. So, you know, um, during that transition time when you were writing the emails, but maybe still thinking about you know sports radio, or maybe you were doing it for six years and it really hadn't taken off yet. Was there anything that was holding you back on your path to success that uh, you know maybe you could kind of give some advice to for other people out there? No, I think the biggest thing, especially for me, and I get people that email me that say, "I want to start a blog. How do I?" How do I go about doing it? Yep. And my advice to them is you first off got to write stuff, write about stuff that you're passionate about. Um, and then it's all basically about networking now. It has to get out there. You have to put it on your Facebook page, put it on your Twitter account. Um, and you, I, you know, I kind of stumbled in, you know, I just developed this following. And then with the spoiler, I got a more of a national following. Yep. Um, but, you know, I got a break that way. Um, your break can happen with anything. It's just, it's so hard to predict. But the thing is, and I know uh, I've seen a lot of former contestants that once they get off the show, they want to do their own blog and stuff like that. And they do it for maybe a season, maybe two seasons, and they just give up. And the thing is, even if you think nobody's reading or nobody's responding, you have to keep going because I could have easily, for the longest time, I. I was just like, why do I keep doing this? Right. Like, why? I mean, I know I have a fan base, and I basically just kept doing it because I felt like I would disappoint a lot of people if I just stopped writing it. So that's what kind of kept me going was I got reaction. So even if you're not getting reaction from people, if you're writing about something that you're passionate about, it's almost like a it's a, a video diary or a, an internet diary of stuff, and you might think it's everyday stuff and other people might say why are you writing about this every day but you just ne you really never know because i never expected this 
to turn into what it's into. Yeah. Well, Steve, I think this is going to be great for a lot of people. They get to meet the man behind the website, behind all the information, the recaps, the spoils. But for, for me and Bill, maybe you could chime in too. I just It was cool to hear your story. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was definitely. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, guys, this has been another fantastic episode of Guys Telling Stories. Uh, Steve, thanks so much for doing the show. I'm Rich Douglas. I'm Bill Easton. All right. Till next time. <laughs> Reality, Steve, Bill. Yes. What'd you think? I think it's. I think I want to do that. What a cool job. I want to spoil all the reality shows. So send me your dirt. <laughs> you know what, though? Nobody can do it like him. He said, he said, he's like, you know, he does it so thoroughly. He doesn't just spoil the season. He spoils and recaps every single episode that, you know, that's why he does The Bachelor and The Bachelorette so well. And uh, there's nobody else like him out mm-hmm. there. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and you know what, too? We didn't mention this uh, beforehand because we didn't know, but that was our first uh, video interview. (laughs) Thank goodness, because I was able to see what was going on in the background. Yeah, so, you know, a lot of times we have done interviews face-to-face, and then we started to do with uh, our first episode of the season Mm -hmm. just an audio interview. And with this one, we got a chance actually to talk to him the whole time uh, through through Skype, uh, Skype video. Yeah. It was really cool. It was kind of cool. I got to see him. He got got to see us. I got to see his dad. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, do you want to talk about that for a second? Sure. It was kind of just, it was an awesome <laughs> anecdotal little story, kind of like uh, behind the scenes stuff for us. Go ahead. Well, it started, he was alone, Reality Steve, alone in his apartment. And then there's a knock at the door. And it was his dad. Yeah, that's all. Like, hey, come on in. We were doing the interview, doing a podcast. and our dad came over unexpectedly. So we paused it, and I don't know if you can hear in the background a little bit, but. He was definitely washing his hands in the sink. <laughs> I thought he was getting a drink of water. I, don't, I think he's washing his hands. I mean, it's hard to tell. but Well, you know, what was so cool with talking with Steve Carbone is is we, we talked to him for like 10 minutes mm-hmm. before the episode started, and we, we chatted with him for a little while after. Yeah, just we about him a while after. Just about what he does and, uh, and what we're doing and the podcast. So, I don't know. There's just, it was just a really cool story. I hope you guys enjoyed cool. it. He's a really nice guy. Yeah. You know, uh, we, I'm glad you guys stuck around, though, because we did want to announce the winner of the fan design contest is... Drumroll. Drumroll. <laughs> we should just get a sound effect. <laughs> Sean, can you work on that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. The winner of the fan design contest is Matt Burrell. He had a diamond design, and that is going to be our next t-shirt. Way to go, Matt. Yeah. Woo! It's going to be available on Amazon. You can head on over there. It's going to be available through our website. You can click the link, check out all our merch, and Bill, I think you got to get a couple more shirts now. I got to get a couple more shirts. Yeah. It looks like a few people have been ordering them, so thank you for that. And just a quick reminder, if you enjoyed the episode, you stuck around this long, number one thing you could do to help the show is to like our show on Facebook and share, share this episode or share a past one. Yeah, just go ahead and click that share button, and it really helps us out. All right. Until next time, I'm Rich Douglas. I'm Bill Easton. Sean, far away. <laughs> All right. <laughs>